0: Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast.
1: Digitized live from the your company name here, studios in Cape Coral, Florida. It's the What's
0: in Your Head podcast. And now, this week's list of common words or phrases that are no longer acceptable in woke society. In looking for these words, I kept finding new categories. Well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. That seems a little strange to me. It seems to indicate that somebody was awfully interested in these words. They kept referring to them. They called them bad words, dirty, filthy, foul, vile vulgar, coarse, in poor taste, unseemly, street talk, gutter talk, locker room language, barracks talk, body, naughty, saucy, raunchy, rude, crude, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, off color, <laughs> risque, suggestive. Cursing, cussing, swearing, and all I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, a motherfucker, and tits.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the What's In Your Head podcast. What is up, OG5? And as you heard there from the late, great George Carlin, the one comedian that I actually can say I actually saw before he passed away, saw him perform at Barber B. Mann. But he's not a comedian, but he'll love to have you watch him perform. His name is Mike, no use for a last name. Joining us from the deep, dark depths of Fort Myers, Florida. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Hey, hey, hey. Doing wonderful, fella. How are you? Not too bad. It's uh, It's Wednesday already. It's been a crazy day at work, crazy week yeah. at work, but we're getting things done. But you guys don't care about that. You come to find out what today's topic is, what today's episode is. And we've been threatening to do it for quite some time. It took me probably almost over a year to figure out the format, the template, the logo, the design. And I finally came up with my t-shirt design. I'm going to release it here soon. What I did is I took the join-or-die snake. Not to be confused with the Gaston, don't tread on me, the snake, but the join-or-die snake. I kind of bleached it out. And then over top of it in the font, it says Community Guideline Violator. The, then underneath that it says preserve freedom of speech. And I think it's very important to get this thing started right when you're going to do an entire episode on the importance of freedom of speech that we set the plate right away. And we are not talking about the also important First Amendment. Yes, the First Amendment is very important, but quite honestly, me, Mike and I have talked about this in the past a little bit, people misconstrue the application of the First Amendment. Absolutely. Oh, fuck you. Hey, it's it's First Amendment. I have freedom of speech. My boss is an asshole. I'm on TikTok. Hey, I lost my job. I have, that's First Amendment, freedom of speech. No. The First Amendment protects you from punishment, imprisonment, fines, and other mischievous things that governments used to do to their people back in the day. 16, 15, 14, 17, 1800s and 2023 if you live in certain areas of the world nowadays like North Korea for example. And so the first very first amendment, the important one which is protected by the second amendment is important but it doesn't apply in your daily civilian life. in the applications in which we are going to be discussing the importance of freedom of speech and that is For the purpose of this podcast, what we're going to refer to as the true form of freedom of speech, and that is the daily, everyday speech, um, representation of oneself, um, how one represents themselves in public, private versus online, the whole whole shit and capoodle. The Um, way that
2: people talk to each other.
1: Yes, and the importance of... Allowing people to say dumb shit, smart shit, vulgar shit, or just plain insane shit. But also, in polite society, we used to have what was called decorum. And certain topics, and certain subjects, and certain way of talk was left for certain times of the day. Certain places, certain people, etc, etc. And... Though one can make the argument that having those social constructs of when it's polite to talk a certain way or who it's polite to talk a certain way in front of and where you can say these certain things would be considered censorship and on its face value, yes. But once again, when you're trying to build a polite society, decorum is appreciated. And yeah. just let me give you an example. As a 17, 18 year old, you happily, you proudly throw down your windows and throw on the most vulgar, profane expression of music that you possibly can. And because as we discussed, I think last week, every generation at every age group has the inert, inherent need and desire to rebel. It's usually done through media or one's appearance, and so it is quite common for especially dudes when you're 16 17 you got that car on a loud radio you roll it down and you play the most of what you believe to be the most offensive stuff kind of like how we discussed that whenever we see a spots to get spray painted somewhere we don't think nazis we think 13 year old boys spray, can- spray paint once again he's looking to offend somebody and this he doesn't know the truth behind that symbol he just knows it truly pisses people off so that's his go to symbol and so what you may freely play as a rebellious young teen out in public, you may turn down a little bit in your forties. Not because you're worried about what people say, but hey, maybe that seven-year-old walking with her mom into the front door of Publix doesn't need to hear that particular thing, or you know, let's just have a little decorum. And so we're going to kind of get into freedom of speech. More importantly, what is now transitioned into the overuse of community guideline standards, community guideline policies. And I once made the argument on my TikTok when I got a community guideline violation that the people who watch my videos and the people who subscribe to my videos would be my community. They like my content. Therefore, if I'm saying something that people subscribe and want to set here, how is that violating my community of people on TikTok? Because people yeah. who don't like my type of content, because TikTok has an echo chamber, chances are my shit won't show up on their page. Therefore, how am I offending them? Or they can just scroll past it. Yeah, you know or that's
2: block you or it, whatever else you can do on TikTok not to have to see
1: the shit that you don't want to see. And so we're going to skip around a little bit, but we—it's <clears throat> all going to be based on censorship, freedom of speech. Community guideline violating which we take great honor. I truly see it as, you know, unless you're doing low-hanging fruit where you're just talking about something or saying something just to piss people off as the aforementioned teenage kid with the loud music and in inappropriate places like a church parking lot or a preschool parking lot during parent pickup. Um, I just I laughed at my own joke and completely went off track. Um, <laughs> where did I start before I got to the parent pickup as the young kid that wants to piss people off yeah I don't forgot about that though anyhow we'll get back <laughs> to it I, I was going somewhere um, but yes so we're going to talk about the different things and just um, play this thing through to its logical conclusion Um.
2: And- and I think just, just to clarify, this isn't a debate. This isn't, you know, this is, this is just what we believe to be fact.
1: Well, not only fact, but I'm going to bring in some history and I guess to gr- set the groundwork a little bit, as we discussed last week, I'm a Gen Xer. Mike is an early phase millennial. And as a Gen Xer, I was raised and we were raised to question authority. Don't trust the government. And always, you know, be on the lookout. For example, because of Facebook and their security policies, which, once again, I I agree with at the end of the day. You don't want a (laughs) bunch of weirdos and perverts getting online. Nothing like your brother sending you um, YouTube links during your (laughs) life. podcast that he used to be a part of. Um, Damn it, Gordon. Yeah, see? They bumped me again. knocked me (laughs) right off that train track. What was I just talking about? Facebook and um, privacy policies and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Um, before Facebook enacted these privacy policies, because you can't have pedos signing up with fake names, um, we never used our real names on the internet. No. When the internet rolled around in the you know early, mid-90s, when it started getting, it obviously it's around in the academic world way before then, we don't need to get the history of the internet. But when the commercial internet and it's, earliest infancy of the modern day application of it. We're talking Yahoo, chat messengers, AOL instant messengers, B- bulletin board systems, forums, Yahoo GeoCities, MSN communities. We'll say the mid
2: 90s to early 2000s.
1: Yes. We treated it like our parents did on ham radios, or CB radios back in the 60s and 70s because we were all brought up under don't trust fucking anybody. Stranger right. danger, be private with your information. Don't put your dirty laundry out in the air. That's right. And so like when my parents were 16 and 17, the cell phone of the day was CB radios. They didn't have car phones. They didn't have pagers. They didn't have cell phones. They had CB radios. But because CB radios had a limited amount of channels and there were so many people trying to use it, there was a decorum and an etiquette and a license process. Mm-hmm. And since you didn't trust strangers, stranger danger, a lot of weirdos and shitbags out there. You didn't go in there and say, hey, this is Mike, no use for a last name, broadcasting out of Flor- uh, Fort Myers, Florida. I want to know where the Smokies out on 41 as I'm heading down to get me some go-go juice. No, you say, hey, this is the mean bearded plumber from Southwest Florida. <laughs> you know, you had handles, you had fake names. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just go watch Smokey and the Bandit or even Cannonball Run when you, they do their crosstalk over the walkie-talkies. They had handles. We converted that into screen names, which I don't want to break down the fourth wall here. <laughs> we know my website's D-410. We know that my media company's Digital 410, which is strictly me using that D-410 website that I had since 2001. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the D410? 410 was my pager code in high school. And D and Donovan410 was my screen name for MSN, Yahoo. To this day, my Xbox name is Donovan410 because that was my hotmail address back in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I have people in my life who think my Christian name is Donovan. No, it's not. <laughs> Donovan410 was my screen name when I first signed up for the internet. And that's where the D four ten and all that translates because once again we didn't trust people. But now because of security protocols, Facebook doesn't allow people to have fake names and everybody has to go by the real names unless they have a secondary account, which is a public profile. So that DTRAIN page is actually attached to the Don Abernathy. So D train goes out there and does anything creepy, it can be tracked back to me. They have my phone number address as it should be. But it wasn't until the last 12 to 14 years that people started on a regular process using their real names. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's where everything went awry. And so through the proliferation of social media, people using their real names, and just kids being born into that zero tolerance that we discussed last week, it has morphed into this Karen culture, community guideline violations, which was nothing more than a fix-it solution by social media platforms who got tired of having to hire entire floors of people to answer complaint <laughs> emails all the time. It was like same the same reason some neighborhoods have more strict um, oh, code compliance policies because they have Karens in the neighborhood who constantly complain and so the city's like, Okay, send the guys through the neighborhood. Just enforce fucking everything so we can stop the phone calls and let's generate some revenue. And so people start complaining. And all a community guideline violation is is truly censorship. And once again... Us Gen Xers and it's millennium millennials. We were there. We were on the internet during the Wild West. We were there when it was being Oregon Trail, and people were whacking down digital weeds and staking, putting digital flags in little corners on the internet and starting their own websites where you could say you could literally download the terrorist Day cookbook from the internet back in 1994 and learn how to make all kinds of fun stuff. That'll get you put in prison nowadays. Completely unregulated for the most part. And luckily now most of that stuff has gone to the dark web, but unfortunately stuff that is not illegal and stuff that is not, well, that's it illegal. I think that should be the only defining rule. When I worked for Lunar Pages web hosting in California, Our terms of service was you can put whatever you want on your website as long as it isn't illegal in the state of California. Yeah. So whatever it may be, whatever it may say, and then when people call remember You you know how Chris Hansen did that show um, where they arrest all the perverts? To Catch a Predator. Yeah, To Catch a Predator. They teamed up with a website called Perverted Justice. We hosted that website before that show came out. (laughs) <laughs> and we were constantly getting phone calls from dudes, lawyers, whose faces and mugshots are put up on there for being fucking pedos. Yeah. Oh, we're going to sue you guys. You need to take their... It's like, first off, it's not our website. We're simply a host. We host it on our servers. They're not breaking any California laws. Therefore, any problems you have with the content of that website, you need to take it up with the, the people who host the website. It's not our problem. What ended up happening is it was a shared server. They would get so much traffic and people trying to do DOS attacks is it would affect the other websites running on the same server. So at a certain point, we had to ask them to move to a a um, hosted server where they're the only website to be affected by people trying to bring it down. But all this has come down to censorship. Sure. And what used to be done on the internet as a hobby has now turned into internet is our life. And so what we used to see you know, you would go to the internet to say dumb shit and it wouldn't affect you in your daily life. Right. Now now because everybody has to use their real names, when you go to the internet and say dumb shit, people track you down. <laughs> call your boss, call your preacher, call your mom, call anybody they can because you said something that they Once again, I'm not talking about illegal things. That's a whole different scale. I'm just even if it's the even if it's the most vulgar vile thing. You've lost your right to say it.
2: Well, I think what's interesting is years ago, I mean, you know, I used to hear comedians talk about, you know, oh, people can say whatever they want. They have so much anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. Yeah. And uh, they can get away with stuff and blah, 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 blah. Now there's some
1: kind of like a shift where it's not really like that anymore. Well, that's a good. That's a. Let's pause it right there on comedians. And one of the things I wanted to do, we're talking about Gen X and how we were raised a certain way. We weren't the only people. There was a long line of celebrities, comedians, musicians, and actors who literally, I'm not saying that as a 13 year old overusing, literally, like literally got arrested and went to jail. Had to hire lawyers and go to court, sometimes all the way to the Supreme Court, in order to set precedent to allow us, 30 years later, to tell people you can't say that on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) And so I wanted to point out some of the history, why it's upsetting to people like us that freedom of speech is being stomped on. Yes, we want what we say that's not illegal to get across. And even if the things we say are dumb, as the old saying used to be, I will say what I want to say. You will say what you want to say. You may offend me. I may offend you. We may fight about it. But both of us will team up and fight the third party who wants to prevent either one of us from saying the dumb shit that we're saying that offends the other. Now that's completely shut down. It's you don't agree with me. I don't want to hear your opposing views. And I wanted to present just – some evidence of the amount of energy effort money because we all know what's the biggest problem with breaking laws other than the jail time money the money drinking and driving Eh. let's say you don't hurt anybody drinking and driving is a bad thing you don't want to kill fucking people but let's say you just got drunk drove four miles home you ran over a mailbox you got pulled over you go to jail you get out, sober up, you get out of jail. You spend 24 hours in jail. As long as you didn't get beat up or something horrible happened to you in jail, the worst thing about that night was the fact that you spent 24 hours in jail until the car and pound fees kick in, <laughs> the court fees, the lawyer fees, um, the insurance. insurance going through the roof. Even if it, you're a first-time offender, um, you'll probably have to go t- pay to go to an a, a class especially if it's happened twice and so more impactful on one's life is the financial part of it yeah and so yeah
2: that's 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 an interesting point too because i know a couple of people that have unfortunately gotten a, a dui and it's more or less a slap on the wrist well let's look at marijuana for example
1: Yeah, it's 2023. It's legal in a quarter of the states. It's medically marijuana legally And a lot of the other ones, with a few holdouts. You roll back 30 years. What's the biggest negative impact from smoking marijuana? Uh,
2: thirty years ago, or just in general? (laughs) 20 years ago. Getting caught. Getting
1: caught. That's it. You can say, well, if you, you, you don't have a job, you sit around and smoke. No, well, that's just a loser who doesn't have a job who smokes weed because he has nothing to do all day. But my point is, with the exception of the, few, the people who are allergic to it, because there are those people, and we're seeing this now because obviously it's it's legal in most states. I mean, people are doing it like drinking alcohol in moderation. But 30 years ago, you have it. You get caught. You get arrested. Possibly lose your job because depending on what type of work you do, uh maybe you head up a youth group at your church. But marijuana was looked at completely different back then. Now you're kicked out of you being a youth pastor. Um now you got to get your car out of N pound. You got to pay your legal fees. So yep. the biggest de- negative side of that particular activity was getting caught. Mm-hmm. And the finances involved. So let's go back. Um I got some Different history here, but you you started with comedians, so I want to go... We'll start with comedians since we're on it. Comedian Bill Hicks. You familiar with Bill Hicks? Yes. For those of you who are not, comedian Bill Hicks, renowned for his incisive and thought-provoking stand-up routine, found himself entangled in legal issues over the freedom of speech during his career. And this now... as a millennial, when might this happen? This got to be clearly in the nineteen forties, right? This is nineteen thirties that, you know, he's getting arrested for saying, you know, breaking decorum on a stage out in public eye. When do you think this happened? Uh, mid two thousands. Just as recent as throughout the late eighties and nineteen nineties. Hicks fearlessly tackled controversial topics including religion, politics, and consumerism, often pushing the boundaries of acceptable humor. His sharp critiques and unapologetic social commentary drew admiration from many, but also stirred the ire of conservative audience and media outlets. Now that's a very, very important point there. Oh, how the flop has flipped. Oh, how the script has turned. Oh, how the tables have upturned and upended. The shoe is on the other table, which has turned. The glove is on the other ear. <laughs> Stirred the ire of conservative audiences and media outlets. The damn Christian groups. Some of his performances were met with censorship attempts and the pressure from a thought has to tone down his material. However, Hicks remained unwavering in his commitment to free expression, viewing his comedy as a vehicle for challenging social Norms and encouraging critical thinking. Despite the legal challenges and pushbacks, Hicks continued to perform and articulate his perspective on the importance of safeguarding freedom of speech, leaving a lasting legacy as a fearless comedian who fought for the rights to provoke and challenge the establishment's beliefs through his own arts. Now, it didn't get into it in this paragraph, but it got to a point. Sadly for his audience, because it was quite boring, but it got to the point where he would go to these open mic shows and do an hour where he's reading the transcripts of his court hearing because he had to go to court because he got arrested for saying something offensive last weekend at some club in New York. Mm -hmm. So not only were people actively trying to shut him down, he literally got arrested for saying certain things and nineteen fucking eighties and, and early nineties. Once again this isn't nineteen thirty four or you know, nineteen twenty. So that's a little history on Bill Hicks, but what here's here's just here's eight no, I think I have ten. Here's ten comedians, just their names and brief descriptions, who all faced legal trouble, meaning that a courtroom got involved at some point. So it wasn't, hey, the the bar owner just kicked me out of here and didn't pay me my, you know, my $200 and my beer tab. The police showed up and got involved. Lenny Bruce, maybe another name you're familiar with, renowned stand-up comedian who faced numerous arrests and legal battles in the 1960s due to his use of exp- uh, explicit language and controversial subject matter in his, his performances. Now, we opened up the show with a quick snippet of the George Carlin's bit, Seven Things You Can't Say on TV, which, by the way, when I worked in radio, I actually had to sign an FCC document with just about those seven words, plus about five more on it. Writing down a reminder. So, George Carlin, as we talked Known for his satirical and thought-provoking comedy, Carlin faced scrutiny and censorship attempts over his routines that tackled sensitive social and political topics. Let's not forget the legend Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, an influential comedian who faced backlash for his frank and candid explorations of race, drug use, and social issues, which led to some of his performances being banned. You couldn't even, you know, he wasn't allowed to perform, or his records weren't allowed to be sold in stores. Here's one you young cats might not think of. You don't know the original Eddie Murphy. You just know the Nutty Professor and Flubber and in Big uh, was it Big Mama's House? Uh, no, that was Martin Lawrence. Uh, same difference. Dressed up as a fat Wall elderly and person. Eddie Murphy, his early stand-up routines contain explicit language and material that led to controversies and concerns about appropriateness. And then the man that my first dog, my rat terrier, was named after, Sam Kennison. Known for his loud and brash comedic style, Kennison faced criticism and his edgy humor often touched on taboo subjects. Believe it or not, Joan Rivers, before she was doing red carpet walks with her daughter on VH1, she was a rather intense comedian. Joan Rivers faced legal issues in the 80s over her use of explicit language and proactive materials in her, I'm sorry, provocative materials in her comedy and performances. We don't even have to go down the road of Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Hickory dickory doc. Uh, Andrew contained notoriety for his controversial and explicit stand up routines, which led to him being banned from certain venues and facing backlash. Gilbert Godfrey. You guys may know him as the original Aflac Duck voice, but he lost that after making a... He was probably one of the first comedians to get canceled on a corporate level. Do you remember that story? I don't, know. Let me read this, and we'll get into that story. Gilbert Godfrey faced backlash for some of his professional and lost professional opportunities due to jokes deemed offensive and insensitive, particularly after making jokes about tragic events. So one of his, I don't remember the exact wording. I'm not going to look it up. You can look it up. I'm just going to do it off the top of my head. It was after the tsunami that flooded all the islands and the people died. And he said something along, something, I don't know. It was, it was just a dumb joke about, something about drowning or fishing the sea or something. It was something water related. And he tweeted it like not even five hours after the tsunami. And that's what cost him his Afflat commercial. Um he was known for making jokes the very next day after nine eleven. And so there wasn't any topic off off um for him. Thanks. Now before Kathy Gifford got Gifford, before Kathy Griffin got in trouble for her photo album. Well, not in trouble, but conservatives got upset when she did the um picture holding Donald Trump's head. But before that she was, you know. Facing legal issues. Actually, no. Uh, this is <laughs> this is actually that uh, Kathy Griffin encountered legal issues and backlash after a controversial photo shoot featuring a prop resembling the severed head of the United States president, which sparked debates about freedom of speech and artistic expression. She claims that killed her career. Some say it's just her horrible stand-up act, but who knows? Sasha Baron Cohen, but otherwise known as Borat. Um, did you ever watch Borat? I did. Okay. It's been a long time, but I have... Known for his satirical characters like Borat and Bruno, Cohen faced legal issues and uh, controversies over some of his pranks and interactions with unsuspecting individuals. So, that's just ten comedians who have gone out of their way to make it... I don't want to say... Not socially acceptable, but commercially acceptable t- for people to say and present themselves in whatever manner in which they feel their audience would accept and that's the big thing comedians say things in front of a group of audience knowing that someone won't like it and others will yeah and if you do the show enough more and more of the people who like it will continue to show up. Fewer and fewer of the people who don't like it will continue to show up. And before you know it, you got a big-ass group of people there who know all of your material by heart. They love it and they want to hear you perform it. And no one in that particular audience, unless they're dragged by a, a date to who, who knows the material and you didn't, very few people are offended in that type of situation. But someone in the audience has a cell phone. And they record a joke because they think it's funny. And then they post it on TikTok. And then a bunch of people that are part of that audience who wouldn't pay to show for that show. You have the 000.4% that's offended. And then you got the 98% who just want to pretend they're offended so they can get clicks and likes on their tweets and retweets and their TikToks and their Twitters and their Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know. Even going back to when I just had D hyphen four ten, and I was writing articles which were poorly written because I can't spell and have horrible grammar, but I would get in arguments with people who, you know, you shouldn't post that or you should take that one. It's like, no, don't, don't censor my shitty website. <laughs> I'm going to post what I want to post. But and I, and I took it seriously, and, and I've always kind of taken it serious on our podcast too. Sometimes I think this particular show gets my whole YouTube channel shadow banned because this particular show has more community guideline violations than any of the other 900 videos on my YouTube channel. And sometimes I think it affects my overall, you know, distribution of my content, but it is what it is. Well, and you know, with comedians,
2: I I think, you know, there's one comedian that's really blowing up right now, Matt Reif. mm Mm-hmm. And if you watch the way that he does stand up today, he tiptoes. Like, I I think he, he says whatever the hell he wants. And then he has to verify with the audience if that was okay or not. Yeah.
1: But he also uses his past. He kind of, he kind of gets a community pass on some of the topics that he says, because he was featured on while and out right and he started his profession at a lot of urban clubs and so because he has that experience he gets the pass that allows him to to broach certain topics and say it and then like you said he kind of asks the audience if it's okay but i think that's just part of his act i don't think he gives a shit i think it's almost kind of like his um uh qualifying statement at the end of the commercial they say real quick <laughs> you know what i mean well Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, he gives
2: a shit or anything, but I think it's almost like uh, it's a point now where it's, like, commercialized, where you have to ask it, is this okay to say? And whether you, you know, I don't think it's whether at least you said it is the point, I guess, is what I'm trying to make. But that's, you know, like, basic, what you were talking about, about, um, uh, now you got me losing my train of thought. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Welcome to the train full off the track show. But well, let's go to music. Elvis Presley. Yeah. We look at him now. We're thinking, God, that guy was boring and he's about as milk toast and as safe as you could possibly get. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the music. Our grandparents listened to Elvis. Yeah. Nothing but a hound dog. Okay. You, a hound dog. you know, heartbreak hotel. Okay. By today's standards of what we listen to, compared to a Tom McDonald or a NWA, it's, it's pretty soft and easy. But the guy got in trouble for moving his hips in his dance on national TV. That was considered offensive. So even at his at time, time yeah. he was considered borderline and if not straight up offensive, and people try to censor him.
2: Well, then, I think it's, I think it was funny how you said that, you know, music of today and you, you mentioned NWA. Well,
1: <laughs> that's, that's music of 30 years ago. <laughs> well, th- th- that, that's going to come up here and I, and I have them in my cortex for a reason. Yeah. 1969. Come on, come on, come on. Touch me, babe. Can't you see that? I'm not afraid. The doors. Mm -hmm. A revolutionary rock band from the 1960s led by the charismatic frontman Jim Morrison encountered legal troubles related to the freedom of speech during a pivotal concert in Miami on March 1st, 1969. Known for their provocative lyrics and rebellious image, the band's performance that night became a lightning rod of controversy. During the show, Morrison allegedly exposed himself on stage, leading to his arrest on charges of indecent exposure and public obscenity. The incident triggered a highly publicized legal battle, which Morrison, uh, facing the possibility of lengthy prison sentence, the trial raised significant questions about the boundaries of artistic expression and freedom of speech as critics argue with the ban's provocative act had crossed the lines of acceptable behavior. The Doors' legal battle became a focal point for debates over censorship and the responsibility of artists, highlighting the tensions between the desire for freedom of ex- expression in art and the social, social socialite p- pressures to maintain decency and decorum in public order. While Morrison's case was still pinning at the time of his death in 1971, it remains a prominent historical example of how the pursuit of creative freedom can sometimes clash with social norms and lead to complex legal challenges. Two things. Some people claim that he pulled his wang out. Some people say he unzipped his pants and put his index finger in there. Like, hey, hello. We don't know. Cause Does anybody remember Rammstein? Well, <laughs> so that happened in 1970, well, 69, wasn't, but 15, 17 years later, he had the Red Hat Chili Peppers performing on stage with nothing but gym socks over their junk. Yeah. And I don't think they got in trouble. Why? Because people before them fought the legal battles.
2: Yeah, very true.
1: I think it's interesting, too, because I
2: I believe a lot of it has to do with popularity. The more popular you are,
1: the more shit you can get away with. Speaking of rebellion, if you wanted to rebel in the 80s and 90s when it came to music, there's a simple way of doing it and that was only buying the albums with the parental advisory sticker on it. <laughs> because the parental advisory sticker kind of flip-flopped. It it went the opposite direction. Before we get into that, let's give the younger listeners the history of the parent advisory sticker and the first band to have it applied to their album. Do you know the first band to have it applied to their album? Isn't I, that NWA? I recently discovered it was their art department that designed... The sticker that we all know now And it, and as this artist said It got to the point where it was They Took that logo as a point of pride Because once again It allowed the audience to know Hey, when you go to the mall You go to Media Play You go to Sam Goody You go to World of Music You go to Magnolia Thunderpussy on OSU Campus You're going to see two of our CDs They look exactly the same One of them's going to have a sticker on it And the other one doesn't what does the one that doesn't have it mean? It means it's censored. It's going to sound like the shit you hear on the radio where they are, or they just pause out the curse words or we refill it with a generic term. And then you have the exact same album with the sticker on it. So everybody bought the one with the sticker because we don't like... Censored music just bumps you. Yeah. Like, I hear a lot of the songs on the radio now, like, especially like the Top 40 stuff, like Wet Ass Pussy and all that. It's like, why even play this on the radio? Like, every third word is blanked out. It's just it's just annoying really it just bumps you it's like how do you enjoy a song it sounds you know they either squiggle it they put in the the sound of air or put in you know yeah
2: it's like well you, you use that as an example to the the wet ass pussy song and they they'll take songs like that and they'll completely change the lyrics over to make it sound like something else but kids aren't stupid today no we they know what the hell they know what the hell you are talking about, we and I don't even think either. a version. I don't think a version of that is on Spotify or Apple Music or you know any of these types
1: of of streaming services that is censored. You know the song Black Eyed Peas. Let's get it started in here. Yeah, you know that's not the original version of that song.
2: I I think so. Yeah,
1: it's let's get retarded in here.
2: Yeah, meaning
1: to slow the process down. Yeah to retard one's carburetor is to f- slow down the amount of fuel. Now it's just constantly associated with people with disabilities. But yeah. they they changed the lyric to get on the radio. But back right. to the parent advisory. N.W.A., short for, you know, with attitudes, a groundbreaking rap group formed in Compton, California in the late 80s, consisting of members Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Easy E!, DJ Yella, and MC Ren, NWA emerged as one of the most influential and controversial acts in hip-hop history. Their debut album, Straight Outta Compton, released in 1988, brought a group significant attention, but also faced intense backlash due to its explicit and unapologetic lyrics depicting the harsh realities of urban life, police brutality, and social injustice. Nice to see we got that fixed over the last 40 years. Uh, <laughs> Uh, So, uh, job well done, boys. Um, Where was I? uh, The album's raw and provocative content struck a chord with many uh, resonating with those who felt marginalized and underserved by society. However, it also sparked outrage among, once again, conservative groups and politicians. Conservative. In the 70s and 80s, it was the conservatives because they were tend to be the evangelicals, the churchgoing type. And they really believed in the whole curse words of sin thing, and they don't want their people, you know, their family members, community exposed to that. And so it was the role of the conservative right wing church going nut jobs to shut all this shit down. Which is why in Hollywood nowadays, so many actors and comedians are liberals, and they're always talking bad about conservatives because. When they were coming up, it was the conservatives that were trying to prevent them from saying all the things they needed to say to pre- express their art. It's not that way anymore, but we'll get that in a minute. Uh, de- 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 Conservative groups, politicians, and concerned parents who criticize the group's aggressive and profane language. That's profane. As a result, the monitoring controversy surrounding NWA's music and amid concerns about influence of young listeners, the Recording Industry Association of America, IRAA, introduced the parental advisory label in 1985. Part of that group was set up by Al Gore's wife, which is why on Anthrax, Attack of the Killer Bees, they have a song dedicated to her where the chorus is basically you fucking bitch, you fucking whore. Uh, um, so, But part of that group to head up into, I think it was the, it was like some parents of something who pushed the issue to where the music industry started this. R.I.A.A., who introduced the par, parental advisory label in 1985. The black and white sticker featuring the warning parental advisory explicit content, which ended up on T-shirts in the 90s, um, was meant to signal consumers that the albums contained explicit lyrics or themes. Straight out of Compton was among the first albums to pretend, uh, prominently bear this label igniting debates about censorship and freedom of speech in the music industry. Despite the label's intention, purpose of informing parents, the parental advisory sticker became a badge of honor for many artists signifying their defiance against mainstream and and, uh, conventions um, and uh, cementing NWA status as trailblazers who uh, fearlessly spoke the truth and unapologetically challenged social norms. Through music do we see a underlining theme here whether you're a comedian an actor, a rock group, a music group a rap group everyone's key focus was the importance of allowing us to say what we want to say in our songs, allowing us to play them for the people who want to hear them and as Mike so Eloquently stated at the top of the podcast, if you don't want to hear it, you're more than welcome to change the channel, go somewhere else, and listen to something that more your liking. But somewhere, going back to where we we're talking about the wild west of the internet, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. The Toms, the Jack Dorsey's, the people who, oh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all the tech people—they kind of they were like computer nerds who wanted to be rock stars and famous people, but they didn't have that talent. Their talent was computer programming, which in the 70s, 80s and 90s if you were learning how to computer program, you weren't exactly heading out to the big parties on the weekend. <laughs> You're learning to computer program cuz you had no social life. You weren't on the football team, you weren't out partying, so you were at home learning the code. And those cat You're a nerd. <laughs> You're that nerd. And so those cats took their skill and created these platforms, created this technology. And changed, undoubtedly, unarguably changed the face of society and the world. For good, for bad, for worse, what have you. And because they created these platforms, they got all this money. And with money comes power and influence. And in the cases of the people who run these websites, a lot of the shit comes back on them. So now you're the arbiter of this content that's offending people. And so the conservative groups and all that are coming towards you, demanding that you take action. Because after all, if you wouldn't have invented this stupid little website, people wouldn't be saying this horrible shit. So now you're responsible. Here's what I think: Uh-huh. You can't
2: please everyone. Correct. You just can't. No. You just can't. It. It doesn't matter what it is. If you run a multi-billion-dollar business, if you run, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg, who you know runs Meta and Facebook and all that. Instagram. Yep. You know, and Instagram and whatnot. You know, you can't please everybody. And the problem is, is
1: that now they're trying to please everybody. Have you seen the timeline photos of him? Like they show the photos of him when he first started Facebook. As he got I, richer, I, and he's got more and more power. He st- his facial expressions, he died yeah. inside. <laughs> you see the he happiness. Looks, he looks dead. Yeah, he looks dead. He looks, dead. His, he looks his, like an evil fucking villain.
2: His eyes are empty.
1: And so, taking on all that pressure, you come up with community guidelines. This is our flat rate policy. We're going to try to please everyone, but as Mike, once again, so Alkaline pointed out, you can't please everybody. And so, you have these platforms censoring, taking shit down, they're getting... You know, in the case of during the Trump election and prior to that during the Obama years, um, people are getting pissed off about political statements. And so now you can't, now we got to go after political talk and all this. And so they just start locking shit down just so they don't have to deal with it. it. Takes up a lot of their time, a lot of money. But while this is going on, you got another generation of kids growing up in this environment. And so now they're being protected by this protected speech and these mm-hmm. platforms in these areas. But when you have a generation of kids spending so much of their life online and in these protected areas, you can't say this on Facebook. You can't say this on tech. You know, well, Twitter you could, but people would scream at you. And so when you're hovering around the MySpace days, growing up in MySpace, but it, it, the community guidelines stuff really started coming in on Facebook. Yeah. And TikTok. MySpace was still part
2: of the wild West.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're growing up in this protected space where you know a lot of the stuff is being blocked, not all of it. And then you're going to school, which we talked about last week, have the zero po- tolerance policy on fucking anything. Heaven forbid you bite your pop type the wrong way and it makes an L. Well, everybody knows you turn it all upside down, now it's a gun. <laughs> yeah. And so you're getting protected on the internet where you spend all your time. You're getting protected in school where you're spending all your time. And then this... These guys who wanted to be rock stars, they have all this power, they have all this influence over this generation. Even though they're making these policies, maybe they're evil, maybe they're not. They're just trying to find a way to get left to fuck alone. But the people who, the kids growing up around these cats, well, this is the way it is. And so, as we saw through COVID, YouTube taking content down, TikTok taking, uh, not TikTok, Facebook deleting content, you know, emergency room text. People who actively work in an emergency room doing podcast on YouTube talking about what they're seeing in the field, just mention the word COVID and not following the guidelines, their shit's deleted and they're getting channel strikes. Just full-blown mm-hmm. censorship. It's gotten to the point now where internet-based rules and the censorship are flooding into our normal lives because of those cats and those kids raised up in those environments are now twenties and thirties. And they're wanting that r- digital protection, not to offend their feelings, to carry over yeah. to the real world, world. And when that group of people are becoming a large part of your workforce, corporate America has to take these policies on because after all, half the cats running human resources are the same fucking generation anyhow. And so now this stuff's getting filtered out through corporate America and it's just giving everywhere. To put it into the most
2: basic terms, as we spoke either the last episode or possibly even the episode before that, kids didn't learn to fall. Mm -mm. It's the same thing. Absolutely. It's all the same situation. You don't learn to fall. You don't learn how to protect yourself.
1: And... Going back to these artists and these comedians who literally, and I—I got a few more. I don't know if I'm going to go down them or not, but yeah, the fact that so many people put their careers, their personal lives, their financial selves all in jeopardy to go to jail for saying things in a comedy act, saying songs yeah. on a CD. And now, 30 years later, a larger group of people are more than happy to just, oh, that content should never have been out to begin with. It's offensive. It's, it's yeah. crazy to me. Look, we expect people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s to be offended by younger things because the world in which they grew up, the, the rules of decorum in which they grew up around We're stricter, and over time, it's loosened up. That's how we got to where we are today. And so it's uh, you you expect it to be, hey, that's not the way we did it in my day. Back back in my day. Mm -hmm. But to be the older generation now and seeing the younger generation take on that fucking role, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. It's like, how are you acting like a 70-year-old? How are you taking up the social constructs and concerns over what people's content is that a 70-year-old would because they're – their decorum and policies based off of what the, the world was 65 and you know 68 years ago it's just mind-boggling and the fact that well, so many people would just oh yeah they should have went to jail it's like it was, it's almost like what was it for
2: yeah well
1: here's another interesting point
2: too my generation and the generation after me what are the shows the most common shows on tv that we grew up
1: with and that that, and and exactly it's like how's a in words of tom mcdonald how's a generation who's raised up on south park offended by fucking everything i don't get it the south park family guy american dad futurama all
2: these different types of shows that we grew up watching and yeah, you know with with all the you know the the blatant and and even you know subliminal racism and the the blatant and subliminal sexism and the the you know you know you you how often would you sit there and and hear stan or kyle or kenny or or cartman say retard or you know bitch or you know all the, you know all this different types of stuff and and sit there and just be so offended about everything
1: Recently, and Carrie and I just, to that point, recently, Carrie and I just got back into playing Red Dead Revolver campaign mode. Revolver? Oh, a dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption. One or two? Part two. Two. For those of you who never played it, it's a cowboy game that takes place in 1855. Made in by West. Rockstar Games, same people who make Grand Theft Auto, the game where you can go get lap dances and bang hookers in alleyways. Their whole thing is when in the world of video games they were the pioneers of "fuck you." We have an adult label. You gave us an adult rating. We should be able to have adult content because, after all, our games are designed for adults. Yep. Well, Red Dead Two came out ten, fifteen years ago. It's been around for fucking ever. When did Red mm-hmm. Dead Two come out? It's been a, it's been at least eight years.
2: I think it came out about. Six or seven years ago. It's, not uh, it's quite it that It seems
1: old. longer than that. Red Dead 2. Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah. Red Dead 2. When did that come out? It's, it's been on my Xbox for a goddamn long time. I know that.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, it's been out for 13 years. It came out in 2010. 13 years? Uh, well, Red Dead, Red-, Red Dead Redemption is a 2010 action-adventure game developed by Rockstar. So, okay, it's 2010 was Red Dead one, so, okay, Red Dead 2 probably came out in 2015, right? Um I'm trying to find this in real time. If you want to look on your computer. 20, 2018. Okay. October 2018. Okay, so 18. So it's been, okay, like you said, six years.
2: Yeah.
1: But it takes place in 1855. Yeah. And much like the crude shit you hear on Grand Theft Auto that takes place in 2018. Mm-hmm. There is some gratuitous, vulgar language of the 1855 about other races being said by random people on the sidewalk because yeah. it's Rockstar Games. Mm-hmm. I was walking my horse down the street and heard one of these phrases about a certain minority group. I was like, I'm surprised that game hasn't been canceled. Yeah, Once again, it's 1855-speak. It You know, it is a censored version of it. They're not dropping N-words, but they make other references. But it's to show that particular horrible character in a game, which you're more than welcome to walk up and put a bull in his head. Problem solved. (laughs) Go about your day. But, um,
2: you, well, you, and you sit there and you think about that. Another situation where you run into that. It's like, you know, it's popular. It's socially acceptable. Everybody likes to play it. You know, Same thing with Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is socially acceptable and it's popular, so you know you they can get away with saying stuff like that and and oh it's okay it's no big deal it's a video game or it's it's Grand Theft Auto or whatever and and that's fine it is an adult game, but I go back to again we grew up on this type of shit and. We're so offended by these type of type you know all this stuff out here, and we're sitting here playing these video games and shit like that too.
1: you know what the positive side to the question of how is a generation who was raised up on South Park and family guy so offended? you know what the positive side of that is it that? Ne- it negates the forty year old argument that kids who grow up listening to a certain type of music or kids growing up playing a certain type of video games are corrupted and and Perverted by it, and will go off to recreate those things in real life. Oh, right. you listen to heavy metal? You must be a saint worshiper. You're going to grow up and k- kill cats and and worship the devil. Oh, you're listening to gangster rap from the nineties? You're you're clearly going to go sling crack and shoot people for their Nikes. And no, I'm just I enjoy the music. I enjoy the artist storytelling of his lifestyle. I'm not going to go yeah. out and you know dress up that way and perform. And so by by questioning, well, how's an entire group of people who grew up watching this? The positive side is it just goes to show you that media doesn't have the long-term effect. Yes, during that time, you're listening to a certain music. You're going to take on a certain attitude, especially if you're fucking 18 or 19. But if you go back to the 90s, an 18-year-old who just discovered Tupac is going to act and behave a different way than a 30-year-old who just discovered Tupac on the same day. Yeah. Is it the music? No. It's the mentality, the overwhelming amount of fucking hormones in the eighteen year old. There's a reason why most people in prison are between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five. Because those are the guys trying to figure out their, their fucking chemical imbalance in their bodies and they're all jacked up on testosterone. You look at them the wrong way, they're gonna fight you or rob you. Mm-hmm. So it's you can't so that goes to show you that media does not have the long term effect. That so many special interest group were concerned with, with oh because Grand Theft Auto, Doom, um, Wolfenstein, all those games. Oh, there's a game where there's there's Nazi flags and they're shooting people. It's it's going to corrupt their minds. And back to the topic, those were the conservative groups, those were the church groups, those were the Republicans, which is why the music industry, the arts, the actors. Well, clearly, if you're an artist, you're an actor, you're a game developer you're a comedian and the conservatives are the one coming after you. You sure the fuck aren't going to be a conservative. Yeah. You're not going to take on, you're not going to wear the same jacket as your enemy. You're going to go on the other side. Right. But because of, as I was saying earlier, the new icons in, in the digital pop culture are the game developers are the app developers. And, when you have these app developers creating these community guidelines as a way to fucking get people to leave them alone, they're creating these rules and now, and they're all liberals because they're all artists. They're all developers. They want that rock star lifestyle. And so it inadvertently created a flip flop effect. Yeah. Because the people creating these policies of what you can say, what's socially acceptable. And then that being relayed into the media format where, you know your top 40 radio stations. They they use the same terminology and the same woke language, and then so that's cool for all the kids who are buying all the stuff because the people with the expendable income in the, in our country, when it comes to corporate they, corporate companies whose entire reason for existence is to sell product, whether it's a magazine, well magazines are long gone, whether it's traffic to the website, whether it's an artist selling a Instagram person, uh, an influencer bands their core demographic they want the 18 to 25 year olds because they got the expendable income that's where all their money comes from and so you have to align with those people to be part of that crowd to sell them the shit that they want to hear that's why you see four-year-olds working at pop stations talking like they're fucking 13 because <laughs> that's yeah. where and so because that whole group were the Democrats because formerly they were trying to fight for freedom of speech and it was the conservatives trying to shut them down but now it's flipped it's the Democrats and the progressives that are trying to enforce all this censorship and they do it through back-ended policies Uh, oh we want people to accept the LGBT community absolutely we wanted to accept the LGBT community but now that we got this out there Let's just go ahead and control the speech of anything that remotely doesn't share the same views or opinions on that particular topic. And not just LGP, but anything across the board. Now it's whatever their subject of the day is, if you don't agree with them, there is no open discussion. There is yeah. no, I'm going to present my ideas, you present your ideas, let's tell each other to fuck off. Or you might say, hey, I like that, but not this. And let's educate each other. Now it's just silence. Yeah. And that's the overall theme is more and more people are being silenced, and it's not just online. Um, I've had, I think, eight TikToks taken down for community guideline violations. Right. One of them was showing a K-Bar, not in a threatening manner. It was a World War II-themed video showed my mannequin in the Marine Corps uniform, took out the K-Bar, showed both sides. You can see the USMC logo, put it back in a scabbard. That was it. I was not reenacting some scene where I'm pretending to stab somebody. I'm not throwing it at a fucking wall. Literally just showing it. Community community guideline violation. had one where I showed my M1 Garand. Community guideline violation. Well, of course, it's all China. They're a communist country. They have different policies when it comes to weapons. I get it. An episode of this very podcast was removed from YouTube for bullying and harassing. Now, we don't bring on guests and bully and harass them. We don't talk shit about groups that we're not a part of. Yeah. We often talk shit about groups that we are a part of or about groups that we grew up around and we don't agree with their policies. And so I've had content removed from the internet for talking shit about a group that I was, you know, I don't want to say groups, you know, like, what were you talking about? Hate groups? No, I mean like financial groups, a certain <laughs> Demographics of certain areas in the country. Yeah. So it's like I've had content that was not illegal. No N bombs were said. No racist shit was said. It was strictly me talking about uh, like people like myself taken down for bullying and harassing. And it's just, it's gone completely out of hand.
2: Well, and we've lost sense of what an opinion is yes I think as well is you know this entire show is based off of yes we have facts and, and things like that that we like to bring up and back up you know what we're talking about but everything is fully based around your opinion my opinion your opinion how we feel about these kinds of things you know we'll take the facts and then we'll give our thoughts on these kinds of things mm-hmm. so you know and i Going, you know, kind of going with freedom of speech and, and something else that we talked about, I think off air was um, you can't, <laughs> you can say whatever the hell you want in this country. Yep. That's your right. Yep. You can say anything you want. That doesn't mean there's no consequences. Kids. There's no consequences. It doesn't and mean that you can walk up to somebody and go, Hey, you're a fucking asshole. And that doesn't mean and that let the chips fall where back. they may. Right, that, that doesn't mean they're going to rear back and punch
1: you right in the fucking mouth. But that did two things: one, that made you really think about what you're going to say and if it was really worth saying it. Right. And two, it prevented people from saying stupid shit that they shouldn't say because then they were greatly, you know, is going to greatly increase the possibility of you taking an ass whooping oh and by the way we weren't suing people for assault back then by just touching them on the shoulder yeah assault was fucking assault and battery not just oh you brushed my shoulder you you interrupted my personal space technically any contact in which i didn't agree to is assault yeah and so when you take away the threat of an ass whooping for saying dumb shit it encourages people to say dumb shit and that
2: that's goes back to the same thing with community guidelines guidelines and things like that as well you know because people can say whatever the hell they want
1: trying to think of the best way to put that you had to take responsibility for what you're going to say right right But let's go back to something we brought up at the top of the show, and that was a thing called decorum and socially acceptable, appropriate times to say things. Bill Hicks would go to a comedy club to express his opinions to say these topics, maybe at a dinner party. I don't remember any stories where he showed up at a church, (laughs) a youth group, a Girl Scout meeting, or a preschool to relay this information because there was context for the delivery of his content and there's a time and a place for everything. That has completely gone out the window. Yeah. Now, when I worked in radio, as I said before, I had to sign a paper about the things you can say and cannot say on the radio. You know the N-word is not a FCC guideline word? Really. That's not on the paper. That's what it's, falls under community guidelines. Well, uh, I don't believe it's it's classified. No, sorry, not community custom. guidelines. It's it's community standards. Yeah. Basically what I, that means is is you could have your, your staff say that, but there's a very high likelihood that your community is going to outcry and start boycotting your shit and you're gonna get shut down. And so yeah. you don't allow it to happen.
2: Technically, to my knowledge, it's not actually a cuss word.
1: It's not. Do you know that you ever heard of Safe Harbor? Heard, yeah. Safe Harbor is a time in which you can say things that you can't say. Like, why well, it does make sense. Yes. The seven dirty words, technically, you can not say on F- open radio between the hours of 5 a.m. And I believe 11 p.m. Technically and legally, as far as the FCC is concerned, once again, not not public standards, but FCC violations, you can say those words between the hours of 11 and 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. Why? Why would that be?
2: I'm I'm gonna guess and say it has something to do with kids. Yes,
1: because radio came out. In the, God, what, 15s? When's radio? I mean, we know radio was huge in the 30s and 40s, so let's say the late teens, early 20s, it started getting proliferated.
2: And once again, we had
1: decorum. yeah. Yeah, I'd say radio even became
2: a thing in the late 1800s.
1: Yes, and it became a thing, and so when things became a thing and time in which their thing and it came a time and place where we had decorum and it was inappropriate to say things in front of children and women, mm-hmm. children and women, families, Christians, whatever. Our society operates between the hours of 5 a.m. and 11 p.m. back in the day. Got up. Whether a farmer went to work, whatever, going to church, usually by 11 p.m. The kids were in bed, and mom and pa were settling down, watching the news, listening to the radio, what have you. Yeah. The children in bed, the kids have gone away, now we can have adult talk. Right. And that was it. It was a way to make sure innocent people stayed innocent until they got to the age they decided they wanted to allow themselves to gain access to these freedoms. Right. And that's what we're missing. We're missing the decorum that, yes, you can say whatever the fuck you want with the guys that if somebody else is going to be offended, you've got to to deal with that between you and the person you offended. The law is not going to get involved. It's between you and that person. But you can't force that onto a child because it's not like the five-year-old is going to come up and punch you in the mouth for saying what you're saying. Right. And so we got to protect the children. Right. Well, how do you protect the children? Well, you don't say shit around kids, or you don't say shit when kids are up. Let's go recent. We're hearing about these books. Once again, freedom of speech, Don. You're talking about freedom of speech. Yes. Talking about the books. The books that are end up in an elementary school kids. Well, we're talking about freedom of speech. Our authors should say whatever they want to po- Yes, those I'm not saying burn those books. The, let the content be out there. But once again, there's a time and place. Can 5th graders and 6th graders read these books? Sure. Why not? Let them read them. Does a kindergarten through 3rd grade need to read these books? Probably not. Why not? Because we're allowing them to be innocent until they choose otherwise. Well, that's not fair. You know what's interesting, and this has happened 2 or 3 times? Most communities have a public access TV station. That's where the city council meetings are being displayed. Sometimes they have, you know, homeowners association, depending on how big they are. Community, you know, people can buy time on there. Sometimes church broadcasts their sermons on there.
2: Yeah,
1: And sometimes school districts broadcast. There has been two or three recorded times where a concerned parent came up to the podium <laughs> presented a book that their child brought home from the school library being a second grader and we're saying well it's freedom of speech but we need to protect the children the parent begins to read the pages of the book that came from the elementary school and the guy running the broadcast for the public access TV station has to dump out of it because it it violates FCC guidelines outside of Safe Harbor. Right? FCC guidelines were designed to protect the children. So when you have these school boards saying there's nothing wrong with that book, but reading that book out, either A, which has also happened where the school district had, <laughs> like, hey, you, you can't say that shit in here. Like, wait, what do you mean? I can't. We're a room full of adults. And what I'm saying, what I'm reading is considered offensive to a room full of adults. But we're yeah. having the debate that this context which you're saying i can't read in the public forum because it's defensive is perfectly suitable for my second grader to check out right and so that kind of like we're not saying you can't make the books not saying you can't buy them for your kid we're just saying between the ages of 12th and third grade kindergarten and third grade let's just let them read wimpy kid garfield Maybe we'll dust off an old book of where the sidewalk ends. You know, let's save the Maplethorpe for the high schoolers. If you don't know who Maplethorpe is, do a Google image search on it, and then you can email me your disgusted, pissed off emails later. (laughs) But it's just like, and with, I don't know, just we've talked about going full circle. It's like we've come from a society that's number one goal was to protect the children to now we have a certain group of people that are trying to normalize pedophilia. It's like, what the fuck did we do?
2: Well, and a discussion that, a topic that gets me heated, and I have nothing bad to say, do you, is what I'm going to preface this with.
1: But don't do kids.
2: (laughs) The LGBTQ plus community. Yes. I can appreciate you want to do what you want to do. You want to have your freedoms. You want to, you know, do all these things. Perfectly fine. Why does it need to be
1: shoved down my kid's throat? Because much like Black Lives Matter, the original group was hijacked by someone else. Right. Right. And they, they literally copyright that phrase and turn it into a business. Right. And the only way a business thrives, especially when it comes to community influence, is to stay relevant. It's the right. same reason Jesse Jackson has been screaming racism for the last 30 years because that's how he makes his money. Right. But yes, the gay community needs to come out and say, yes, we're all for pride and we're all for LGBT but the actual group LGBT that some reason is trying to incorporate the fucking pedos. No, we're not going to let that happen. We don't want that association. That shit's got to be shut down and shut down quick.
2: Well, I saw, was it a video or I can't remember if it was a video or a picture, but grown men, older men. And right now we probably just got kicked off. Probably grown, older men walking down the street with, flags and paint and, you know, whatever, no clothes, yeah. just Dick swinging. And, you know, you don't, okay. You, you're prideful. You, you know, you came out, you did whatever you wanted to do. You know, you're, you're happy in your life and everything like that, but that's not, that's indecent exposure. And
1: a lot of places have a place for that. It's called the nude beach. (laughs) Go there, go to the, those communities. And it has nothing to do with sexual preferences. There's plenty of straight people who go to nude beaches and, you know, nudist colonies. It's decorum. Decency. I don't want to see your dick. My kid doesn't want to see your dick. My kid doesn't need to see your dick. Put your dick away. Whether my kid wants to or not does not
2: need to see your dick. No. Not Your tits, your vagina, your penis, your asshole, doesn't matter kids don't need to see that kind of stuff kids don't need to be exposed to that kind of lifestyle at such a young age the things that they need to focus on school their families oh which now you can't even say families anymore yeah. you have to say my
1: people my people verbo here at the verbo when you yeah. rent a property are you it's for you fucking, and your people are you fucking kidding me is the word family friend and significant other is that too possessive of a phrase? Partner, partner Apparently. covers partner covers gay and straight for you and your partner. Okay, that works. Partner, my wife and my wife or the two husbands or a husband and wife, even polyamorous, your partners, perfect. No, people. We're changing the language. We don't want to say. Come enjoy a weekend with your family. Well, what if I don't have a family, Don? Come enjoy a weekend with your friends. What is the negative connotation with the word friends? No, your people. Yeah. We're going to sterilize
2: it. Things are becoming gray. Yes. Have you ever seen... Well, you probably haven't seen it, but when I was growing up, there was a show called The Fairly Odd Parents. Yep, had everybody. I was
1: more of a, um, I was more of a um, Courage Cowardly dog guy, but you can sure. watch Fairly Odd Parents.
2: Sure, Fairly Odd Parents, good show. Nothing bad to say against it. You know, grew up watching it. Funny. There was a an episode on that show where the main character, Timmy Turner had wished for everybody to be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And all it was, was just gray blobs walking around the entire world. They had no personalities. They had no nothing. That's what it's turning into. Um. Everything is just, you know, just, you know, conforming together to just become this big ball of bullshit. And everybody just needs to love it and be happy with it. And, and no, fuck that. What happened to individuality? What happened to not wanting to be like somebody else? You know, it was one thing to have idols when we were kids and to, to you know,
1: look up to people. But I, I don't know. Have you heard of it's, it's recently come to light, but it's an old experiment from the 60s. Have you ever heard of the universe? 25 mouse experiment. No. There's a six-minute video, which I don't want to play. Uh, Universal... Universe 25 mouse experiment. So, to answer your question of what the fuck's going on... Universe 25, 1968 to <laughs> 1973. Um, let's see. This story is from 2022. I'll hopefully give you the digested version. June 22nd, 1972, John Calhoun stood over an abandoned husk of what was once a thriving metropolis of thousands. Advertisement go away, sorry about that. Now the population had dwindled to just 122, and soon even these inhabitants were all dead. Calhoun wasn't a survivor of a natural disaster or nuclear meltdown, rather. He was a researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health, conducting an experiment into the effects of overcrowding on mouse behaviors. The results laid bare at his feet had taken two years to play out. In 1968, Calhoun had started an experiment by introducing four mouse couples, so that would be eight mice, into a specifically designed pen. A veritable rodent garden of Eden with numerous apartments, abundant nesting supplies, and an unlimited source of food and water. The only scarce resource in the microcosm was physical space. And Calhoun suspected that it was only a matter of time before this caused trouble in paradise. Calhoun began running similar experiments with rodents for decades, but had always had it. Had always had to end them prematurely. Ironically, because of laboratory space and constraints. Um, as he anticipated, the utopia became a hellish. Became hellish nearly a year in when the population density began to peak, and then population growth abruptly and dramatically slowed down. Animals became increasingly violent, developed abnormal sexual behaviors and began neglecting or even attacking their own pups. Calhoun termed this breakdown of social order as a behavioral sink. Eventually, Universe 25 took another disturbing turn. Mice born in the chaos couldn't form normal social bonds or engage in complex social behaviors such as courtship, mating, and pup rearing. Instead of interacting with their peer uh, peers, Males compulsively groomed themselves, and females stopped getting pregnant. Effectively, says Ramsden, they became, they became, quote, trapped in an infantile state of early development. I'm sorry, they became trapped in an infantile state of early development. Even when removed from Universe 25 and in- introduced into a, quote, normal mice environment, Ultimately, the colony, the colony died out. There's no recovery, and that's what's so shocking to Calhoun, said the historian. Calhoun wasn't shy about anthropomorphizing his findings, binding rodents into categories such as juveniles, delinquents, and social dropouts, and others seized on these human parallels. Population growth in the 70s was swelling and films such as Soyant Green* tapped into the growing fears of overpopulation and urban violence. And in twenty eleven, and in a twenty eleven article, um, studies were brandished by others to justify population control. An effort largely targeted by poor and marginalized communities. What this all comes down to is people are making uh, parallels to what was observed in this. Utopia of mice, where they had no wars, they had no disease, they had no real problems. They had all the food they wanted, all the drink, all the nesting material. Only thing they had lack of was space. And their society broke down to the point where the male mice had no interest in female. They would groom themselves sometimes to physical deformation, gnaw their hands off, and literally they stopped breeding. And they stopped communicating and they stopped social interaction. And some people are saying, well, let's look around on the news and what's going on. You got marriage is down, child rearing is down, depression is through the roof, people are taking on strange behaviors. And so the question are, is Is human mankind, are we at the early stages of Universe 25? In In
2: comparisons sounds like it
1: yeah
2: it really does i mean when you compare that situation to what you see out in the world today i mean that's 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 just the beginning
1: writing a report summary in 1979 calhoun noted that quote no single area of intellectual effort can exert the greater influence on human welfare that contributing to a better design in a better built environment. And what's crazy is you have, what is that? Is that in Pakistan? Have you seen that video of the environment they're building? It's a straight line. It's just miles long. It's a 10-story like apartment building. It's going to be all self-contained. It's going to be basically a self-contained city out in the middle of the desert in this giant 50-long-mile building or whatever. I can only imagine how things are going to change in that, people who live yeah. there for 10, 15 years. But they're at, that's very reminiscent of the plot line of Bioshock. <laughs> Except for they're in <laughs> an underwater city. <laughs> and so, you know, we spent an hour and a half talking about this with the point is two things. We all need to start standing up for each other's straight-up legitimate freedoms of speech but we also need to understand decorum and bring back the belief in there's a right place and a right time for certain subjects and swinging your dick around in public is not the right time or place (laughs) unless it's fuck it let's do safe harbor you want to have your parade Swing your dick 11pm to 4am wrap it up (laughs) the shit where you're doing it at noon on a Wednesday nope Let's have safe harbor. You, you, you want to have your parade? You want to run around throwing butt plugs in the audience? That's fine. Just do it between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Have it wrapped up and cleaned up before the kids get up to go to school or get up to go to their early you know, doctor's appointments or whatever they're doing at 5 a.m. I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. You can have all the parades you want. If your parades are going to require nudity... Let's do it after hours, people. hmm And so there's ways to get your thoughts through, get your beliefs through and your expressions through, and there's ways to do it without canceling other people who don't believe in your thing.
2: There's right ways
1: and there's wrong ways to everything. I mean, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. My whole thing is do whatever you want to do, Literally. Even if it's crack, do whatever you want to do as long as it has zero negative impact on your friends, family, or neighbors. That's it. If you figure out a way where you don't have to work and you can get all your needs met without someone else paying the bill, more fucking power to you. Go do it. If that's you sitting around drinking four bottles of larceny a day until your liver falls out, as long as you're not negatively affecting kids, family, or spouse or even a fucking dog for that matter. You go do it and leave everybody else alone across the board. Yep. And so on that important note, we want to thank each and every one of you for sticking around. Please email us. Let us know what you think. Come into the YouTube live and ask us questions and we'll answer it honestly on the air. So we want to hear from you guys. Uh, We'll have a different topic next week. But uh, for Mike, myself, and Gordon, who will be back after his physical therapy and work slows down, we want to thank you each for uh, following along and joining us for another episode of the What's In Your Head podcast. And until we meet again next Wednesday, for myself and Mike, thank you, and we will talk to you all soon. This has been a Digital 410 production. Go ahead. I would like to say, because
2: sometimes this gets missed, like – share subscribe yeah
1: like (laughs) comment yes and all that stuff if you're listening to us yeah if you're listening to us on itunes please give us a review and a star go ahead mike yeah
2: please by all means you know we we want to hear from people we want to get this out there because we know there's plenty of people out there that think the way that we do and you know think the way that you do if you listen to this podcast and you like the content that it provides
1: and it's getting harder um five years ago when I started this and I was working on radio for four years part of that, you just post a shit on Facebook. Facebook would share it. People would see it. But now it's, you post it on Facebook. Facebook says, tells you tomorrow, Hey, we let five people see this. Throw us $20. We'll let another 50 see it. And so, you know, unless you want to start spending, you know, it's expensive to get the shit out there. So, um, yeah, please like, shares and comments. Comments on um platforms um like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the, the ratings and reviews and the follows g- help because what happens is um those apps will suggest us to other people who are listening to the podcast. Yep. So please like, subscribe. Um while you're at head over to d four ten dot com or what's your head dot com. Click on Patreon, sign up for that, it's a dollar a month. That goes a long way to help, you know, pay for the bills and Once we start getting enough patrons, we can actually use that money for advertising to help build the show to what we want it to be. But, yes, very good point. Email us at info at d-410. For myself and Mike and Gordon, please uh, share us with people. Just uh, send a link. We do it all the time. Hell, we're going to send somebody else's YouTube content during my show. So (laughs) you can do the same. But uh, we'll try this again. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: This has been a Digital 410 production.